She has interviewed celebrities. She's interviewed governors, people of all kinds. So. Of course, well, because you're so nice <laughs> on top of the fact that you have cans on your head. Well, <laughs> can head. You're a sweet guy with a, yeah. with a very unique talent. Yeah. Well, can head, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Friday show going into the weekend. Banters at home, Packers at home. We got the Vikings on Sunday. TMJ4, Susan Kim going to join us later this hour. Hall you know of why? Famer. Hall of Fame. Yes. He's getting the gold jacket today. No, I don't know what, what they give out. Susan and uh, one of my other teammates from uh, 90, uh, from <laughs> TMJ4, Andrew Triplett, going into the Hall of Fame for the Milwaukee Press Club tonight. So, trip a photog, right? Those guys see everything, man. Those photogs. You know, I, I'll make the point with Susan, but think about as you watch TV news here. Reporters come and go pretty quickly. Anchors sometimes stick around for a little while, but even for them, they're at two, three, four stops into their career, whatever. Some of these photogs, this was their first job. I'm sorry, photographers, so camera guy, yeah. camera lady. Yep. This might be their first job. They started here. They're here for a career. A lot of them from here, which is yep. cool. They've seen all of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they've, they've trained all the new young ones every time they come through. Young Vinny. Hey, uh, can we go over here? No, nah, man, we're not going over there. <laughs> right. Here's where we need to be for this. Okay. So anyway, we'll talk with Susan at about 20 minutes before 9 o'clock. A great honor. And actually took, I had to like convince her to come on because she is super humble and doesn't, she's like, I'm not going to come on and talk all about like, can't be all about me. Right. Like, okay, well, we'll talk about some other stuff then. Okay, good. Looking forward to it. So got all that ahead. I want to get to two stories here on the unfriendly skies. One is it relates to the war in the Middle East, but starting with an alarming escalation of hospi- hostilities, if you will, between the U.S. and China. Maybe you've seen the video if you've been watching the network shows this morning. A Chinese fighter jet flew within, they say, 10 feet. Do you know how close that is in the sky? 10 feet of a U.S. military B-52 over the South China Sea. 10 feet. It's right here in the room. Yeah, right. Me to you, almost, mm-hmm. you know, right? So aircraft flying at hundreds of miles an hour, 10 feet apart over the South China Sea. Officials calling it a close call, a nearly mid-air collision. Now, this is not terribly uncommon for the U.S. to encounter other aircraft and for those pilots to kind of mess around up there. But the U.S. is saying in this case it was reckless and unsafe. The Chinese intercept U.S. aircraft in international airspace on a regular basis. That is not usually unsafe. What was unsafe in this instance was how uncontrolled and wobbly the actual intercept was by the Chinese pilot. That's ABC News contributor, former State Department official Steve Ganyard breaking that down wobbly like not appearing not in control of the aircraft but it's interesting though as i said these encounters and he is you know ganyard says these things happen mm-hmm. they happen pretty often you remember the scene in top gun right oh of course opening scene right yes. front end of the film the u.s fighters russian fighters messing with each other in international airspace you were in a 4g inverted dive with the mig 28 yes ma'am at what range no about two meters well, it's actually about one and a half, I think. It's one and a half, right? Maverick and Goose up there flying close to the MiG upside down, peeking in the canopy. Uh, Lieutenant, what were you doing there? <laughs> Communicating. Communicating. Giving up foreign relations. You know, giving him the bird. 
You know, the finger. Yes, I know the finger. <laughs> Thanks, Goose. <laughs> Do you think they were communicating <laughs> so, right. a couple of days ago in the B-52? Right. So, right. Uh, like, our fighter pilots we've talked with over the years, too, indicate that's obviously embellished there for Top Gun. Like, <laughs> okay, and we you. talked to our guy out of the 115th in Madison, Top Gun trained, Colonel Charlie Mark- Merkel. He told us that guys like Maverick, like, they don't last very long. They're dangerous if you're if you're breaking rules and stuff like that, it's no not, one likes you. It's not funny. Right. You're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right, Iceman. Doesn't like him. And that's actually more to the truth. <laughs> so, that we've heard from multiple fighter sure. jacks. Right? right. Nah, these guys don't hang around. But not to that extent. But again, this stuff does happen for real. Interactions between the US and adversaries over open skies. It is worrisome that either due to poor training and execution or for some more nefarious purposes, such as deliberate provocation, that Chinese pilots are increasingly getting reckless up there. The Chinese do not have a good track record flying formation on U.S. military aircraft. And in this case, we see the pilot did not have the airplane under control. The rate of closure was way too much. He was fighting the airplane coming aboard the B-52. Very unsafe. It should have been much safer for any professional or well-trained pilot. And that's uh, ABC News contributor and former State Department official Steve Ganyard. I think his point is well taken, too. Even if he didn't mean to, this pilot, didn't mean to cause a collision or something like that, just was messing around. You collide with a B-52? Like, are we at war? Yeah, right. I mean, they, and they just rammed a boat not that long ago, too. I mean, it that's wasn't right. a U.S. Was... boat. Uh, let's see, a Phil- Philippine Coast Guard ship. Getting frisky. They rammed last week. So it's a thing to watch, particularly as the U.S. is, perhaps our adversaries would suggest, distracted by the war in Ukraine, certainly what's happening in the Middle East. Better keep an eye on China. The early, to the earlier point, U.S. carried out airstrikes against targets in Syria. That is ongoing right now. The Pentagon announced U.S. fighters hit two sites in Syria with known ties to Iran. With everything going on in Israel right now, the United States would like to let Iran know that if they attack our people in Syria or Iraq, that they're going to be hit hard. And I think that's what we did, and it was the right message to send. And ABC News contributor Mike Mulroy on that strikes apparently in retaliation for drone attacks on U.S. troops who are serving in Iraq and Syria. They were carried out by U.S. Air Force F-16s, which took off from the region. You asked an interesting question. Where exactly do we have air bases? Yeah, just happen and, to have one in Syria. Yeah, they said undisclosed air, air, air base. We have one in Iraq. I know that. A couple on, of bases. The strikes, as I said, carried out by Air Force F-16s, looked like from the video like a an air-to-surface missile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Checked in with Brandon Snide. Now, he's Army, but he knows how those things work yeah, over he's there. He's aware. Yeah, he said that's what it looked like to him. Knocked out an ammunition storage facility and a weapons storage area, that according to the Pentagon. Important here, too, the U.S. insisting that Israel was neither informed of nor involved in in these airstrikes in any way. ABC's Luis Martinez. Senior U.S. official denied that Israel was notified in advance of the U.S. airstrikes um, and said that they did not coordinate with the Israelis at all and said that tonight's actions were really all about American self-defense, defending U.S. troops in the region who are coming under attack and is very different from the relationship of the U.S. providing security assistance to Israel in the wake of the Hamas attack. You have a curious look on your face. Wouldn't you think you give them a heads up? I mean, given... They're going to blow some stuff up right on your border, just so you know, that's us. This is what we're doing. I mean, it's a powder keg over there. A lot of of tension right now. You're not going to give Israel a heads up. (laughs) They had to have known. Hey, we're going to blow some stuff up over here. Just Just so so you know. know, Just so you know the intention, right? Like you wouldn't give a, hey, BB, just real quick, 
Just so you know. You may hear some explosions in Syria this morning. That would be us. I think the U.S. is trying to draw a distinction here, certainly. I get it. Between, right. We support Israel and we're doing things uh, in that ongoing conflict in Gaza and all that. However, this is totally different. We have people in the region that maybe may be a part of that, maybe a part of something else. You attack our people, we're coming back at right, you. Right, right. Regardless of anything else going on. And we don't want that. We don't want it to happen. But just so you know, we're out there and we're doing that. Meanwhile, in Israel, one other point, uh, no ground offensive yet. We see some tanks rolling into Gaza. They did have some tanks and some like heavily armored bulldozers roll through in the past 24 to 48 hours. Continued calls for humanitarian aid to flow to civilians there as Israel delays plans for a large-scale ground incursion. Hundreds of thousands of IDF forces there amassed at the border. European leaders weighing in on that now. ABC's Tom Rivers. The leaders in Brussels signaled again vague support for the two-state solution once this bloody chapter concludes, but nothing concrete. Belgian Prime Minister Alexander de Croo. At some point, a political dialogue needs to start, and this um, peace conference is a reflection of that. As for the immediate, the assembled leaders reaffirmed their call for aid to reach those in need in Gaza via a humanitarian pause. Tom Rivers, ABC News, at the Foreign Desk. That frames the conversation for the weekend ahead. He says, you know, talks about the two-state solution, like with who? Involving which nations, involving which leaders. Right. What, Hamas? No. Unlikely. Right. Hezbollah? No. So are there other, you know, Palestinian leaders that need to be at the table? And is now the time to do that? And then again, what about the humanitarian aid that has trickled in to some degree into Gaza? Many, much more amassed there at the border with Egypt, ready to go. How do you do that, but also continue fighting your fight mm-hmm. in Gaza. Back to the airstrikes, one final point. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin releasing a statement saying we do not seek hostilities. So his point, not looking for a fight. Iran, Syria, any of you over here, you come for us, we're going to hit you back. 821 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Checking in with Debbie here on... 826 on Wisconsin's Morning News. I suppose this is a breaking detail. We're getting... Late information that there may be a news conference scheduled for this morning regarding the suspects still on the run in Maine. They're going to hold a news conference to provide an update at 9 a.m. Central Time. That there's may nothing just be, to indicate right. that there's a break in the case, if you will. When you have, you know, let me just shed some light on this too, like as a reporter, when you have one of these ongoing stories, sometimes what law enforcement agencies or officials will do is, look, they know they can't have... 10,000 Vinnies and Eric's calling them up all day. All day, day long. Every calling day. the police department. Yep, calling, right. Yep. So, look, just so you know, we'll regularly meet at this time yep. and we'll give you what we got. Stop calling our people. They're busy. And it's a great right. opportunity to, yeah. to talk to the people that live in that area, too, to give them to level set with them. There's been some issues. Uh, so the shelter in place is still there for a couple of counties there in Maine as they search for Robert Card, this guy they believe shot and killed 18 people earlier this week and injured more than a dozen others. Schools and businesses remain shut down, leaving multiple towns on edge. Everybody's scared. I mean, nobody is used to having a shooter in Maine. The search now widening. The Coast Guard joining the manhunt after the suspect's white Subaru was found at a boat landing in Lisbon, Maine, with a firearm inside. Card does have a boat registered to him. Yeah, so now they're searching for this boat. They're curious if maybe he headed north toward Canada or headed south. 
Um, not for sure that he's on the boat, but they got the Coast Guard now activated working this too. Now, yeah, boat doesn't leave a trail. He, like, how can you track where it right? went or where it ended up unless somebody spots it? Mm-hmm. So he did leave what appears to be a suicide note at his house. It was addressed to his son. It contained bank information and what police are calling, quote, rantings, if you will. Uh, of course, you may recall, Card was treated at a mental health facility earlier this summer, also reportedly hearing voices and allegedly threatened to attack a National Guard facility. They think maybe a couple of different outlets now are saying that at least one aspect that they're investigating here as far as motive goes is a potential breakup recently with a girlfriend. Intelligence sources are telling CBS News that they believe that that recent breakup may have been a significant destabilizing event in the gunman's life. That said, there is still no clear motive right now for this shooting. So no motive and actually no real idea for sure where he's at. And by the way, this guy's a firearms expert. And a current... U.S. Army Reservist. Yes. So that's very concerning to them, especially in some of these areas. They got hundreds of law enforcement folks out, agents looking all through some of these areas, but some of it heavily wooded, not sure where you're going. This is his stomping grounds. He knows every inch of this like I do. You can barely walk through that area. The woods are so thick. That's Richard Goddard. He lives in one of the areas that they're searching for. So you're talking about thick wooded area, an area that this guy knows. And by the way, he can shoot really well. Will that come into play? So far, nothing to indicate that. But they have no idea where this guy is. And on the issue of the ex and whether or not the, the breakup may have motivated this, there's no suggestion that I've seen right now that the ex was targeted Haven't not more seen than that, that was yet, a right. triggering event of this guy's already pulling, and that might have been mm-hmm. one of the contributing factors to him continuing to lose his mind here. Right, right. But the fact that it's premeditated, I don't know, like we talked about it earlier, just everybody's trying to process this and their, their grief for the people uh, of that community, for the people who were killed, for the victims who are still in the hospital. I don't know if it makes it easier to swallow or to understand, at least, if it's a person who had military service and PTSD and just snapped versus someone who planned to do this. Right. Knew to go to his boat and drop off the car. Right. Decided these are the places I'm going to hit because there are going to be lots of people in there for me to kill. Yeah. Well, hopefully we get an update at least moving forward where we can figure out where he's at or hopefully they know nothing to indicate that. But again, 9 a.m. is our latest news conference from Maine. 8.30 right now on Wisconsin's Morning News. So this only matters to... Like you think, well, I'm not a Gen Z. What do I care what they watch? Because this is what they're going to start putting out then. Correct. For the rest of us. So a recent study on the entertainment consumption habits of Gen Z. So that's 13 to 24 in that little range okay. there. 12 to What's behind them? Did we name that one yet? Behind the Gen Z? Yeah. Um, Double di- A? Digital chips. Gen Double A. <laughs> right. Anyway, Gen Zers. The bots. So the, the study says that Gen Z... The preference for Generation Z for watching on TV or on screens is platonic relationships over sex and romance. UCLA has a teens and screens survey. It found that 50% want to see more content on friendships. Additionally, 40% desire non-romantic characters on the screen. UCLA even has a video. I would prefer to see instead of romance, more platonic relationships and more familiar relations. I'd love to see some great love stories on friendships and the trials and tribulations of that. Isn't that interesting? So they feel that romance in media is overused. Now, I'm not going to disagree with that. That's absolutely true. Then there's a formula that like every 
every sitcom pilot used to follow. You know, right, oh, right, maybe right. or maybe they won't. Will yes. they or won't they? You know, the whole Friends, Ross and Rachel thing. Isn't that also, though, part of friendship? Like, doesn't don't a lot of those platonic friendships... I don't know if I agree with that. ...run into that, at least that scenario of, are we friends or aren't we, or... Yeah, maybe at 14 years old. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's what they are. <laughs> well, so yeah, so that's what makes us interesting. And to your point, the fact that Gen Z isn't interested in seeing relationships on the silver screen, well, why does that matter? Or the TV screen is because that's what we're going to end up seeing when we continue to watch television or watch any shows. They're going to try to get to this generation that's going to be spending the money, you know, the 25 to 54. They're, re- they're growing into that yeah. demo now. And they don't want to see silly relationships. They're going to get, you know what they're going to get? They're going to get their own streaming service. Netflix will be like Netflix Gold. Netflix (laughs) Netflix Golden, right? (laughs) And then for for the oldsters, and then they'll have their own like spinoff. For you weirdos who want to see relationships. (laughs) Right. That's fine. They can have it. So, what, what, so what is, what is, how does, Extrapolate it out. Then what they want to see friends because Gen they Z loves more, friends. They want more authentic storylines that reflect lived experiences to a more diverse spectrum of relationships. So do they never want Ross and Rachel to get together? Or Chandler and, and Monica? That's not, that's not what triggers them to want to watch the yeah. show. They just want them to hang out. They want to learn about relationships. Interesting. Fascinating generation. 841 on <laughs> Wisconsin's Morning word. News. Soon to be Hall of Famer, Susan Kim from TMJ4 News. Joining us live next. Eight forty-five on Wisconsin's morning news. She's covered Super Bowls, Final Fours, tragedies, and triumphs for decades here in Milwaukee. She has interviewed celebrities. She's interviewed governors, people of all kinds. So, of course, well, because you're so nice. <laughs> on top of the fact that you have cans on your head, well, <laughs> can head. You're a sweet guy with a yeah. with a very unique talent. Yeah. Well, Canhead, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that guy? She's had him on the news. Got the cans oh, wow. all over his head. Also put up with me sitting next to her on the anchor desk for 17 years. TMJ4, Susan Kim going into the Hall of Fame tonight. Milwaukee Press Club honoring our friend. She is with us live on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline this morning. A reluctant participant in today's show, Susan. Because I know you don't like wow. to talk about yourself and all the things. So we'll, we'll do a little bit on Susan and then we can talk about other things. Okay, thank you. And I mean, wow, what a walk-up song! And I, you brought up Canhead at the same yes. time. That's quite the walk-up. <laughs> wait, wait, Vince, is that, I thought we were together for sixteen years. I don't know. Is Did I do the math wrong? I don't know. You said seventeen. I thought it was sixteen. We'll just go with seventeen. Don't we sound like an old married couple? Yeah, my gosh, stop bickering. Which anniversary is this, <laughs> Susan? Let's start with this. Tell us how great you are. <laughs> okay no let's start with this how many years how many years in milwaukee uh 29 years um april 2024 will be 30 years in milwaukee and you came to us from your last stop was juno alaska right? right no anchorage well first out of college was juno alaska and then i went to anchorage alaska which actually was a huge market jump uh, you know, in our business, we talk about market size or the size of the city, and Anchorage was actually ranked. It was 250th market, and then Juneau was unranked because it was so small, but it was beautiful. And then, so you come here then, and totally new place. What did, did you know anything about Milwaukee even when you came? No, because this was before the internet. Yeah, right. right. So, I mean, I, I remember going to the library and trying to look up stuff about Milwaukee, um, and I remember one of the interview questions was, do you even know, do you know what 
WTMJ stands for or TMJ. And I, I think I said, or he told me it was Jim Prather and he said, um, it's the Milwaukee Journal, right? Oh, you knew? And I, I think, well, I can't, well, you know, it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> so, so did he ask you or didn't he? <laughs> He did okay. ask me, but I don't think I knew. But I'm asking you guys now as I re- try to reflect. It is, CMJ stands for the Milwaukee Journal, correct? Uh, yes, yes, correct. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, good. Now that we have right, that straight after still- 29 years, good. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons you're going in. <laughs> no, but you're right. Totally different time here. Different people running TMJ4 then. I mean, I interviewed with Prather. That was one of the toughest interviews I ever had for, for a real job. He was, he was a tough boss. Yeah. He was, um, and he, you know, he wanted to be first. He wanted to be right, and uh, you didn't want to come back to the station and say that you struck out. So you just worked really. You wanted to work really hard for him and Jeff Kiernan. Yeah, Jeff was our news director then. Eventually, so Susan, what's the best part of the job? I think the best part of the job for me is talking to people. Um, obviously, you guys know without your audience, you're nothing. So to have people uh, come up and talk to me at the grocery store or at baseball fields or, you know, the Friday night football game, um, it's always a pure joy. And they're like, they always say, you know, I don't want to bother you or anything. And I'm like, it is absolutely not a bother. Without you, I would not have the joy and the privilege of being in this market for 29 years. So I love I love it when people come and talk to me and say hello and, you know, and they share some amazing stories with me about uh, how they watch or when they watch. I had one woman say um, it was at a Susan G. Coleman run uh, quite a years back, but she still stays with me. She said, you know, I watched you every day while I was going through chemo and, um, and you, you know, your laugh and these things. She said very nice things. And I, I just thought, oh, my gosh, this woman who is going through the fight of her life is taking the time to say hello to me and to tell me how much she enjoyed uh, watching. And, you know, those are the kinds of stories that just stay with you forever. And you appreciate, um, you appreciate so much. I mean this sincerely And there. You can do it a lot of different ways in this business. You can kind of show up, uh, especially after you've established yourself and go through the motions and still, you could just be busy being Susan Kim, but Susan's one of the hardest workers Mm -hmm. in digging up stories. She'll, I mean, when we were there getting the news together in the morning and it's, you know, right before we're going on air, pick up, pick up the phone and call the police. I'll call. Like, so you're a super hard worker. What is it for you? Like, is it covering the special events like when you and I did the Ryder Cup and things like that or the Super Bowls? Or is it when you're when you're digging up and breaking news stories that that does it for you? Um, I would have to say both uh, for different reasons. The big event, because you're right in the middle of something really special. Um, and then breaking stories, it's getting that information that no one, ha- no one else might have. Uh, because, you know, we got into this business, a lot of us have this competitive nature about us because we want to be able to find information and tell stories that no one else has so that people um, will connect with them. So in both of those are really special to me. I can't say that I love one or the other, but I will say that the Ryder Cup with you for a week was one of the most fun times uh, and special times. It had both. You know, we got to talk to really great people. We got to talk about golf (laughs) all day (laughs) long. And then to be in the middle because, you know, as all three of us, we've all, you know, you guys are from here. I've lived here for a long time. 
when you live in a market for as long as we have, things that happen here really matter to us too, you know, and it's important that we uh, share these stories and we also soak in a lot of the joy that comes with seeing all these people here uh, being part of that big event. The Bucks game, you know, I mean, the whole city is loving the fact that we have Giannis and Damian Lillard and the, and how exciting that game was last night. Uh, that stuff matters even more when this is home too. So you're getting inducted into the Milwaukee Press Club Hall of Fame tonight. What happens? Do you get like cake? Is there a celebration? What what takes place tonight? <laughs> uh, well, there's this uh, at one hour. Um, there's like cocktail hour. I don't. I mean, I've emceed <laughs> events and I've been to events. So I think there's a cocktail hour. We get to meet some of the journalism students who are coming up through uh, different universities here in our area, which is really special. And then. Uh, we have dinner, and then we have a five-minute speech. That speech. We're to, Ooh, speech. Yes, Very nice. That we're supposed to eat. Is it going to be good? Uh, you know, I'm there tonight, so I want. Is it a good speech? I don't. I don't know. You know, I <laughs> yes, mean, it's it as is. good as I can do. You know, there's so many different ways. You, yeah. When you give a speech, there are so many different ways you can go. And then I'm stressed because Joette Richards, who does so much for the Milwaukee Press Club, she sends out this email emphasizing in bold, five minutes. Okay, yes. <laughs> Maximum five minutes. Um, and I keep timing it, and it's eight minutes. And I and I called Joette, and I said, it's eight minutes. <laughs> so... <laughs> She said eight minutes is okay. We just don't want 30 minutes. Um, so it's going to be eight minutes. Okay. And I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, the thing is, is, you know, when you guys go to a speech, you remember some, uh, you might remember one or two points that the person makes, but you really remember how you felt, I think. Yeah, I think that's, you, I think that's definitely true. That yeah, you remember how that speaker made you feel? Did they make you laugh? Did you feel good about them? Did you cry? You know, whatever those emotions are. Uh, so I just wanted to speak. I'm going to speak from my heart. I may say some things that people, you know, like, oh, my God, TMI. I don't know. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yes, I hope so. <laughs> Uh, but I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to um, just put it out there and just how and share with people how important and how just special it is to be honored in this way because, you know, it really is. My friend Rob Lowry said it's because I'm old that I got this. Well, that sounds like some Rob would say. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice, good. And he's at my table tonight. Thank you for that placement. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Hey, he's no, a wonderful, wonderful. Super excited to see the yeah. see you and to celebrate with you tonight. And also our colleague Andrew Triplett, longtime photographer here in Milwaukee. Trip's the best. I can't wait to hear what that cat speech is about. I know he uh, he's just funny, just the way he he looks at you, right? I mean, yep. he just makes you laugh. And I mean, he's just a wonderful human being. So yeah, he's going to be pretty special tonight too. Well, congratulations! Excited yeah. to see you tonight and celebrate with you. Oh well, thanks you guys. Thanks for having me on. TMJ4 Susan Kim Hall of Famer with us right. live this morning. 8:54 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ forecast is sponsored by Dave Drake Camp Heating, where your comfort is their family's tradition. Listen up here, we're going to get cold. High of 68 degrees today. In fact, we're at the high temperature for the day and then through the day the temperatures will start to drop. By this afternoon, it'll yeah. be a little rough. Get down to a low of 37 degrees tonight. So we're going from near 70 to below 40. You're going to feel that. And then the weekend, not real pretty. High of 48 degrees.
prime time at Camp Randall Stadium for the Badgers and The Ohio State University. And Sunday, well, this is our local forecast, but not going to be much better up in Green Bay. High of 47 degrees, cloudy, windy, chilly with a chance of showers. So did I hear right? You are going to wear a Tiger costume and then wear a red hat tomorrow for the Badger game? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm dressing up for Halloween for the Badger. No. Full body Tiger costume? <laughs> First of all, I don't like to dress up for Halloween anyway. <laughs> yes, I know. That's why And I'm then asking. secondly, it's going to be cold. And then third, I want to wear my Badger stuff. All right. Right? That's fine. It's no fun. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be nuts. Halloween weekend in Wisconsin. What if they happen to pull off the upset of upsets? That would be remarkable. I don't see that Tough, for us. He sure seemed confident it's going to be a game tomorrow night. So he did. Exciting. Well, did, didn't Tausch say that we were, we were going to yes, he also said that we were going to beat the Broncos and we were going to yep. beat Iowa. The Badgers were. Yeah, so. yep, he said all those things. I don't know what to make of all that, but so exciting weekend ahead. You're going to the Badger game. Yep. Where am, am I going to run into you up there or not? Uh, I don't no, know. You're doing like adult stuff. I got my teenage. Yeah, I don't kids. have the kids with me. My wife and I are going with some friends. We have like three tailgates we got to hit, so we probably Maybe. won't cross paths. I'll drop you a text, but we'll see. You know what? Yeah, right. Well, that's the mistake to make of like, yeah, just text me when, tell me where you are. Like, if you get up there and it's <laughs> yes, chaos. It ain't going to happen, but I'm maybe. in somebody's backyard. I don't know. <laughs> after the game. Right. Oh. Wearing a tiger costume. <laughs> Wisconsin's morning news.